Good morning. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Tea Time with Tommy, where we take a few minutes, share a cup of tea together, and we are hopefully able to gain some encouragement as we look at different scriptures and devotional thoughts. Today's podcast is brought to you by Cranberry Autumn Tea from Harney and Sons. Cranberry Autumn is a black tea artfully blended with cranberries, hibiscus, orange pieces, and cranberry and orange flavors to create a full-bodied brew that is exceptionally smooth and delicious during the fall. Fans love it for its fruity flavor and intoxicating aroma. So sit back with your cup of tea and let's relax together for a few minutes as we see where this week's podcast will take us. Good morning. Let me give my traditional warm teacup welcome to all those joining in with us today. And when I say joining in with us, I don't just mean those who will be listening, but those who are seated in front of me right now. We have a room full today as we are recording Tea Time with Tommy as part of our New Beginning Fellowship. That is our once-a-month meeting of our teenagers. No, I didn't say teenagers. The teenagers or seasoned adults, if you will. We fellowship together each month, and we have a program and share a meal. Today, Tea Time with Tommy is our program. Can I please get a hearty hello from our group today? Hello. All right. Thank you so much for being here. We've been promoting it, and I've been praying that we would have a good turnout, and we certainly do. This is, might be new for some of you today, and as we talked about earlier, we know for a fact that it is. Uh, but again, for 86 weeks, myself or someone, uh, perhaps in a time takeover, have shared a few minutes once a week that I pray has brought about some encouragement to help us over the hump in the middle of a long week. We're currently being released on Thursday mornings. You can find us uh, on our podcast, and today's episode is going to post a little bit later, but normally, first thing in the morning, uh, we are available. And praying over where to go today, uh, knowing that I was going to be sitting before this wonderful group of seasoned uh, adults, I wanted to have something a little different perhaps, and yet still wanted to be encouraging. So I think that this is going to be a great kickoff to where uh, I'm going to spend the next several weeks uh, looking at some particular words or phrases in the Bible that are sometimes misunderstood. Now you're probably asking yourself, uh, what thought process brought me to thinking about things being misunderstood? Too often, I feel like that people think that the older crowd don't understand the younger crowd. Does anybody think that sometimes that comes across, that maybe the older folks don't understand the younger folks? Okay, well let's flip that for a minute. Have you ever thought that maybe... The younger folks don't understand the older folks sometimes. I think it's both sides. There's both sides. And coming together and finding that middle of understanding is kind of what uh, I'm hoping uh, that we can see in the midst of some passages in Scripture. But if you actually ask the senior adults how they feel, and I've done this, uh, I would encourage you to not be surprised to hear that sometimes they simply say, younger than my years, or I feel like the best years are yet to come. Some of you in this room perhaps have said those very things. There's a negative stereotype that seems to commonly be given to the graying group, if you will, but that doesn't apply necessarily. Now, some people might be uh, a stick in the mud, and we don't want to... uh, 
condone that, obviously, uh, but perhaps we don't know what they're uh, going on in their lives. And that's why I'm praying that perhaps even something as simple as tea time can be an encouragement and encourage them to know that we want to understand, uh, but we also want them to be able to understand as well. I can testify by taking a group of senior adults on a trip. It is not only fun for me, but I always learn something. I always glean so much from life that they, in this room, you have lived. Life that they're continuing to live and wisdom that you've gained through life's experiences. I would encourage you, wherever you might be listening, to spend some extra quality time with some of the seniors in your life. Don't worry so much about them understanding you, but you try your best to understand them better. Be mindful that underneath some of those wrinkled skin shine, often shines a spirit and strength of will that can inspire us. I know none of you here have wrinkled skin. All right, with that in mind, I thought about some wonderful truths in Scripture that we know and that we see and that we hear about, but maybe we don't fully understand. Today we're going to read in Psalm 18. I'm only going to read three verses today, but in Psalm 18 I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3 where it talks about uh, something that is found in Scripture and that we've heard about, but I wonder, do we really understand it? Psalm 18, beginning in verse 1. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. The horn of salvation. What exactly is Scripture saying when it talks about the horn of salvation. Now the horn is mentioned several times in the Bible, but this particular expression is horn of salvation. What does salvation have to do with a horn? Now in the Old Testament, let's look at the word horn for a few minutes. The Old Testament, the word horn signifies a lot of things. Of course, one usage of horn was referring to the pointed bony structure growing out of an animal's head, right? Okay, Genesis 22, 13 clearly talks about that. Animal horns, they were used for fighting, for protection, securing dominance, and they became symbols of strength, power, and victory. Often, Scripture mentions of a horn as a literal symbol that represents power. An example, in Daniel 7, 7, and then again in verse 24, the ten horns of Daniel's fourth beast represent, does anyone remember? Ten kings. In Psalm 75, God says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. So in other words, the righteous are going to prevail no matter how strong the wicked might seem to be. Hmm, that's something we need to hang on to. The four horns in Zechariah 1, 18 and 19, represent, does anyone remember? the powerful nations that attacked and scattered Israel. Animal horns were also used as receptacles for oil 
1 Samuel chapter 16. Or as a shofar. Anyone know? What's a shofar? It's a horn, but more specifically it's the trumpet. It's the horn that they blew through to, to make the announcements. Love shofar. Isn't that a great word? The prayer in Psalm 92 contains both a reference to oil and a figurative use of the horn. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox, and fine oils have been poured on me. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah prays, In the Lord my horn is lifted high, indicating the strength that will come from her having a child. There's another significant instance of the word horn in the Old Testament, and it's in the reference to the protrusion at each corner of what? Anyone remember? The altar. Thank you. Yes. The altar. Exodus 27. In worship, the horns of the altar were dabbed with, dabbed with the blood of the lamb to purify them and to make atonement for sin. We read about this in Leviticus chapter 8. The horns of the altar speak of the power of of God's salvation. They take the blood and put on the horns there on the four corners of the altar to speak of that power. That part of the altar also became a place of refuge and sanctuary for a fugitive in 1 Kings chapter 1. Again, encourage you to go back and listen again and pull out all those references. But today, based off what we read in Psalm 18, we see where David is praising the Lord he says that he is the horn of salvation in verse 2. So I want to direct our attention to the New Testament in Luke chapter 1. Okay, So David here in Psalm 18 in verse 2 specifically says, My God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Well, in Luke chapter 1 verse 69, Zacharias praises God that he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. We talked about this a little bit even in our discipleship class a few weeks ago. We know exactly what or who Zacharias is talking about. Zacharias is talking about right then in that moment, shortly after he was actually able to speak again after the birth of his son, he's talking about, Jesus Christ. Anytime we read in Scripture, horn of salvation, it is pointing us to one thing. It is an absolute reference to Jesus Christ. Even here in Psalms, God, Yahweh, as I'll say a little bit more, all-powerful deliverer and king, and Zacharias in Luke is prophesying who was going to be born. The horn of salvation Jesus Christ. It is a symbol of strength. It is a symbol of power. It is a symbol of victory. Jesus Christ is that symbol. He is the victory of salvation. He is the strength of salvation. He is the power of salvation. Again, Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The title that's applied to Yahweh here, 
David's crying out to Yahweh. The title that's applied to Yahweh is also applied to Christ Jesus because they are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the horn of salvation. The very name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. The salvation that Christ offers is strong, triumphant, and powerful. Just like the horns on the altar offered a sense of refuge, they offered a sense of atonement. That's who Jesus is. Jesus offers mercy and cleansing because of death on the cross. In Psalms, we see that God fought for David. When he was trying to escape Saul and escape the army, when he felt weak, when he was unable to fight the battle on his own, he even wondered if he could go on for another minute, much less another day. David needed someone to fight for him. He needed a savior. David needed saving. We know the story. He was declaring that it was God, Yahweh, He alone who had won the war. It was God. It was Yahweh who had fought His battle. It was God, Yahweh, that delivered Him from His enemies. God has, God does, and God continues to do the same thing for you and I. On those days when we cry out, God, I don't think I can do it anymore. You know what he reminds us? You're absolutely right. You can't. But I can. In those moments when everything feels hopeless, in those moments when we wake up and all we see is darkness, God reminds us that he sent Jesus Christ for that very reason. The hope, the light in the darkness, the ultimate horn of salvation. David's song, if you will, here in Psalm 18. Zacharias' song in Luke chapter 1. God has raised up a horn of salvation and his name is Jesus. The perfect spotless lamb. The son of God who was Son of man, the great horn of salvation for all those who will call upon him and trust in him. Today I want you to be encouraged. If you are a child of the King, of Christ Jesus, the blood sprinkled on the horns of the altar year after year that could not accomplish salvation, it only pointed to the coming of the great high priest whose self-sacrifice will forever atone for the sins of his people. Today we can rejoice and we can give thanks. This horn was bloodied only once, but it was with the holy blood that can cleanse us from all our sins. 1 John 1. Taking hold of the horns of the ancient altar may have been a way to plead for mercy at one time. For you and I to take hold of Jesus Christ alone through faith is to find peace with the Lord and forgiveness of all sin.
I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in him I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast. The horn of salvation, a phrase that may not mean a lot to us, but carries such an importance in scripture when we take a moment to give it a deeper look. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, Tommy has shown us how this one phrase points us to the one Savior. The horn of salvation is an absolute reference to Jesus Christ. He is the power and strength of our salvation. He offers mercy and cleansing that is eternal. When our day feels dark like David's did at the time he wrote this psalm, and we believe that we can't continue on, God reminds us that he sent Jesus for that very reason, to be a light in our darkness. Take hold of him with faith, and he will bring you peace. We look forward to spending time with you next week, but until then, may your cup overflow with his blessings.